Last night, we saw the first of the two man presidential debates between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. And just when I thought they couldn't get any crazier, they both doubled down on their no deportation open borders policies. Now, of course, the people on the left are going to argue it's not really open borders because they want certain restrictions, yada, yada. But Bernie Sanders has called for breaking up customs and border protection. Joe Biden yesterday went as far as to say no one will be deported. And he even said under any circumstances, none of these people will be held accountable. When asked about people seeking treatment for coronavirus, he said under any circumstances, they will not be held accountable. It's a bold way to say that you think they've done something wrong and you will do nothing about it. Now, what I find particularly offensive about the statements made by these people is that as of today, the governor of New Jersey has announced strict controls. Businesses will be closed. Public gatherings over 50 persons will be canceled. And they are strongly discouraging me and many other people, the 9 million in New Jersey, not to leave their homes after 8 p.m. Why should we sacrifice and be put under these restrictions for the betterment of our communities if these presidential candidates would then say that they would go so far as to not deport anybody who crosses into our country and puts us at risk? Right now, we are seeing numerous countries enact harsh border controls, shutting down their borders. The European Union's doing it. Germany is doing it within the EU. Guatemala has banned U.S. persons from entering their country. Yet Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders have the nerve in the midst of a global pandemic and crisis to say they will not help hold these people accountable, nor will they deport anyone, Joe Biden said, unless they commit certain felonies. That to me is shocking, insane, and deeply offensive to all of the people in the U.S. who are taking this crisis seriously. Let me explain. As the the European Union is seeking to shut its borders to people coming in, even within their borders, Germany is doing so in an extremely drastic measure that some people are saying shows the end of globalization. Yet because Bernie and Biden are trapped in the echo chamber bubble, they're not paying attention to how serious this crisis is, which I find alarming considering they moved the debate to D.C. and had no audience because of the fears of the coronavirus. Many people have brought up the merits of immigration controls for economic reasons. Well, the economy is taking a major hit right now. You want to argue that? Fine. We can argue the merits, either pro or con, in terms of illegal immigration. But right now, around the world, borders are being shut to stop the flow of a deadly disease. And during this crisis, with all the ramifications, Biden and Bernie would say, nah, nah, we're good. We're going to allow people to enter the country and not deport them. To me, that is absolutely insane. Let's read these stories, starting with this one from the Washington Times. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give. The best thing you can do, share this video. There's a lot of information I'm going to be presenting right now about the coronavirus. Admittedly, this is strongly political, so I know a lot of people might not want to hear it, but sharing still does help. And for those that haven't subscribed, if you like this content and want more, make sure you do subscribe and hit that notification bell because YouTube isn't recommending my content and Google has actually removed this channel from search entirely. So if you want to make sure you get it, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell. The Washington Times reports, quote, no one will be deported. Biden vows to freeze key aspects of immigration enforcement. Democrats' top two presidential candidates declared Sunday that they will halt key aspects of immigration enforcement as soon as they take the White House and promise to work to legalize most of those here illegally. 
former Vice President Biden affirmed his plan for a 100 day halt to all deportations. No one, no one will be deported at all, he said. After the 100 day period, he said he would only deport those with felonies on their record, effectively carving almost all illegal immigrants out of danger of deportation. Mr. Biden also refuted the Obama administration's policy of cracking down on sanctuary cities, saying flatly that he would not ask local authorities to cooperate with U.S. immigration and customs enforcement. Mr. Sanders, meanwhile, said he would stop raids by ICE, apparently referring to the at-large arrest, the agency says. It has to make particularly in sanctuary communities where local prisons and jails refuse to help in arresting uh, arresting criminals. Both Mr. Biden and Mr. Sanders insisted their plans don't mean open borders. Let me let me let me, let's talk about open borders for a second. What does open borders really mean? Well, several months ago, about a year ago, some pundits on the left said open borders would imply that you could freely enter the country and no one would do anything about it. No, they're not proposing open borders. That's totally different. Then Bernie Sanders issued his plan saying he wanted to break up customs and border protection. Ocasio-Cortez reaffirmed this at one of their rallies and encouraged attendees not to cooperate with federal law enforcement. If you are breaking up the guarding the guard agencies for our borders, if you are stopping the raids from federal law enforcement, if you're saying you will refuse to deport people, you are just talking about open borders with extra steps. As of right now, with the coronavirus affecting us this way, I think that is deeply irresponsible. The Washington Times also reports Democrats, illegal immigrants seeking coronavirus treatment should not face deportation. Now, I will admit there is an interesting conundrum here. We want people to seek treatment because we don't want them spreading the virus. And if they don't get tested, and don't go to the hospital. That may be the case. Unfortunately, you must be held accountable if you break the law. If people are bringing diseases into this country, I'm not saying they are necessarily, then we should probably deport them. If people are coming into this country at a time when we're supposed to be locking things down, they should be held accountable. And I'm sorry, there's a hard, hard decision to be made here because we do want them to go to the hospital if they're sick to prevent the spread. But they still must be held accountable for breaking the law. The Washington Times says Vice President Biden said Sunday that illegal immigrants who show up for coronavirus treatment will be held harmless. There are certain things you cannot report an undocumented alien for an undocumented person for. They will not, should not, under any circumstances, be held accountable. That was a bold misstatement, if you were to ask me, because my only assumption is that Biden was trying to specifically refer to the coronavirus, certain circumstances. Unfortunately, he said under any circumstances. Now, whether or not they actually plan to implement policies where they just let people come in and do whatever they want, I don't know if that's serious. This may just be extreme pandering, but it should not be happening right now. And Bernie Sanders went further to say these people would get access to our government funded health care, which we can't afford from, uh, to begin with. Mr. Sanders said his Medicare for all health plan would guarantee illegal immigrants get health care so they could show up at clinics for testing and care. And he said he would halt at large immigration enforcement altogether so illegal immigrants wouldn't be afraid to show up. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement has already said hospitals and clinics are considered sensitive locations where arrests cannot happen except in exceptional circumstances. There you go. That's enough to tell people that they won't be held accountable and that you won't deport them is extreme, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of many Americans. But combine that with what's going on right now with the coronavirus, and it is beyond extreme. It is psychotic. Let me show you some stories. First, I want to iterate that this is not just about coronavirus testing. 
Joe Biden's campaign reversed and said he is supporting a moratorium on deportations from February 22nd. Joe Biden has, along with Bernie Sanders, they have both said they will not be deporting people. This is not a new position. They have consistently held this position. You would have, th- you would have thought that in the midst of this market hit, this major market drop, as well as the closing of all these borders around the world, they might change their tune. But they can't. They've sold themselves down this road. And they would look, it would look strange and it would look like a flip-flop if they decided to change their minds. Although I think you can do it you know, well by simply saying, as much as we want to protect people, we must recognize that in the midst of a global crisis, people cannot enter this country illegally. We are controlling our borders for a reason, and they will be held accountable. This is a story from a couple days ago, the New York Post. U.S.-Mexico border could be shut down to contain coronavirus officials. There are two potentials here. The Mexican government said they would consider closing things down, but we're not, you know, it's a a suggestion so far. Nothing hard has happened, but Trump has also made similar comments. Keep that in mind. Nothing has really moved here, but the conversation is occurring. However, Guatemala has banned arrivals from the U.S. and Canada to fight the coronavirus. How could it be that Guatemala, of all countries, is saying, Americans, you cannot come here. Yet meanwhile, in America, Biden is saying, if you come, we will do nothing. We will hold you harmless. Bernie is saying more than that. We'll actually give you health care. So what happens if someone in Mexico and Guatemala actually gets the coronavirus and they're being told right now by Democrats, come on in, we got free health care for you. Nothing will happen to me. That is insane. Over in Europe, this is breaking news. Two hours ago, the European Union will ban all non-essential travel into Europe for 30 days to slow the spread of the coronavirus. I think at this point we are seeing there is a real and significant reason why we have border controls. And look, I'll I'll tell you something else as a segue. Donald Trump has been warning us about China for a long time. Again, I will stress to those that hate him, you can hate him, but you have to admit he was right about the problems we are facing because of China. Bernie Sanders said something similar, that it was a threat to our national security and that these trade agreements were a disaster. And it's something he said in the past as well about these free trade agreements. Right now, our medicine is produced in China. A lot of our, men, our, our masks and medical supplies are produced in China as well. And in September of last year, Trump ordered U.S. firms to get out. And now here we are. The virus originated in Wuhan. It's now spread around the world. And we don't control our own flow of resources. That was a major mistake. We need to be self-reliant. Trump was right about that. And we need strong border protections. Trump was also right about that. The United States lets in some of the largest numbers of immigrants for any other country in the world, for any country in the world. And right now, the European Union is going to be shutting down its borders. Check this out. The European Union will restrict all non-essential travel into the region for at least 30 days. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen announced on Monday, only essential travel will be allowed for at least a month once the plan is approved by European leaders. The less travel, the more we can contain the virus. I propose, I propose to the heads of state and government to introduce temporary restrictions on non-essential travel to the European Union. She said in a press conference, we think non-essential travel should be reduced right now in order not to spread the virus further, be it within the European Union or by leaving the European Union, but also to avoid non-essential travels not to have more potential strain on our healthcare system. Members of the Schengen travel area, including the non-EU members Iceland, Liechtenstein, Norway, and Switzerland, will not be affected by the rules. The United Kingdom, which left the EU in January but remains in a transition period with the bloc, will also be exempt. Under the plan, 
Visitors from non-EU states will not be allowed to enter the region unless they are long-term residents of the EU, family members of EU nationals, diplomats, diplomats, cross-border commuters, or essential workers like doctors, nurses, and researchers, von der Leyen said. The transport of goods will also be exempt from other restrictions. Now, what's really shocking in, in this regard is that within the Schengen area, it's supposed to function kind of like states in the U.S. There's no checkpoints in between New York and New Jersey. It's just a, well, you pay a toll depending on which direction you're going, but you can drive in and out with no problem. The same is true for much of the Schengen area. But now Germany is sealing its border. So I know it's not a complete, you know, a perfect comparison, but imagine if your state shut down all the roads into and out of the state because of the coronavirus. That's something beyond just national borders. To, within, within reason, I know the EU is very different, right? They have the EU Schengen borders as well as their, their national borders. Germany seals off borders as European countries report record jump in coronavirus deaths. And this is from as well just today. Germany is the latest European country to seal off its borders in an effort to contain the coronavirus outbreak as the number of deaths in Europe jumped overnight. As of Monday morning, Germany had shut its borders with Austria, Switzerland, France, Luxembourg, and Denmark. Only German citizens, those who reside in the country and work in a neighboring nation and vice versa, and physical goods can cross the German border. Though Berlin is not the first European capital to impose border restrictions, the move marked a U-turn in Chancellor Angela Merkel's policy. It's a crisis situation. Frederick Heinemann, head of public finance for German-based think tank ZEW, told CNBC. He said there's a competition between politicians to show leadership. Nobody wants to risk showing that it is less cautious about the outbreak. He said, at the height of Europe's migration crisis in 2015, Merkel defended an open border policy. Speaking Wednesday, the German chancellor called on all European countries to coordinate their approaches rather than take unilateral, unilateral actions. Germany has a total of 5,813 confirmed cases of coronavirus and 13 deaths. Data from Johns Hopkins University showed Monday morning. Italy, Spain, and France experienced the highest daily jump in the number of coronavirus-related deaths Sunday. The latest deaths brought their respective totals to 1,089, 292, and 127. So Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders have said several times they will not be deporting people, and it sounds like they aren't taking our border protection seriously. Let me now show you why we absolutely must take this very, very seriously. CNBC reported on March 11th, up to 150 million Americans are expected to contract the coronavirus, congressional doctor says. Scrolling down, we can see they say, infectious disease experts say the virus so far appears to be deadlier and more contagious than the seasonal flu, with many experts and U.S. health officials saying the mortality rate is likely somewhere around 1%, making it at least 10 times as lethal as the flu. Mark Lipsitch, a professor of epidemiology at Harvard, said earlier this month he thinks about 40% to 70% of the world's population could become infected with the virus, and of those, 1% will die. The New York Times has created a calculator to show you what this really means compared to other illnesses and why we are taking such drastic measures, including strong border controls. Right now, we can see in the calculator with a 1% infection rate and a 0.1% fatality rate, this doesn't even appear on the, on the chart of causes of death in the US. But they said 40 to 70% and 1% will die. Let's bring the fatality rate on the New York Times calculator to 1%, and we will bring the infection rate to 40%. At that low estimate, 
we can see that the coronavirus becomes the number one cause of U.S. deaths with 1.27 dead. But they also said it could be up to 70. So let's take a look at the worst case scenario. A 70% infection rate with 1% mortality puts us to 2.2 million dead, well above the previous number one contributor to U.S. death or cause of U.S. deaths, heart disease. But if the fatality rate reaches 3%, and in Italy it's 6 and in some parts, in, in global estimates, around 3.4, then we can see that we are looking at just about 7 million dead in the United States. There are reasons why we are taking this so seriously. So I'll tell you why I find this to be particularly egregious. Right now, this message from Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey, it went out earlier today at 11.46 a.m. There are going to be drastic measures taken to stop the spread of the coronavirus in New Jersey. Now it's affecting to an extent, Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, many other states, Los Angeles, Detroit is also preparing these these harsh measures. Here's what they say. To slow the spread of COVID-19, I'm ordering, Governor Phil Murphy says, the closure of all pre-kindergarten and K through 12 schools beginning 318, the closure of all casinos, racetracks, theaters, and gyms, the closure of all non-essential retail, recreational, and entertainment businesses after 8 p.m., and the banning of gatherings of 50% or more. They have instituted what they are calling a curfew statewide, though they haven't said anything about how it's going to be enforced. I did contact local police who said they have been advised of nothing. They are so far saying it is strongly discouraged that you leave your home. I don't think they could necessarily enforce this. I don't know if it's constitutional to tell people you can't leave your houses. But this is what's happening where I live. I'm sure where, where you live, you are experiencing something similar. Recently, there was a man in Tennessee who had went to, he bought up tons of hand sanitizer and disinfecting wipes. And my understanding is the, the attorney general of the state assisted him in donating all of those goods. They, the New York Times ran a story about him and he, this guy got roasted hard for trying to price gouge on, on important you know, disinfectants and hand sanitizers. So it's not just New Jersey, but it also is, as I mentioned, Detroit and many other places are going to be enacting harsh quarantines. I just want to say personally, my opinion is if I'm going to do my best to help my community, and that means sacrifice, it means I won't go out and party. I won't go out to bars. Not like I do anyway. I mean, I do a podcast at night for now. But if, it's, if, if it is expected of many people, of everyone who lives here to do their part, I think it's, it's, it's particularly offensive if you're going to then argue that people who come here who aren't part of our community and then try and get access to our resources or potentially put us at risk. I find that, I find that deeply, I don't know what the right word necessarily is, but it sounds like they just don't care about us. It sounds like they would rather pander to an activist base to say what they think they need to say to get elected just so that they could get the keys to the castle. And what they would do once they get into power, I honestly have no idea. There's been a lot of speculation about what comes next. Bernie Sanders hints Tuesday's primaries should be postponed over the coronavirus. And I have to say at this point, with as serious as a lockdown as we're facing, I don't see how we can continue the primaries. And this is where things start to get really, really scary. I'll admit, you know, I, 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 I am a little bit worried when they announced they're strongly discouraging people from leaving their homes after 8 p.m. where I live. I'm also worried that other people might freak out because of this. And I think it was a serious mistake. We're not necessarily seeing the same level of action taken from New York and and Connecticut and other parts of this country. 
They're just shutting down businesses. But here we are. The government is ordering businesses to shut down. I wouldn't call it martial law like many people are actually saying. It's not a military takeover, but these are drastic measures. When I said in the past that I thought it could get bad, this is bad. The economy took a major hit. This morning opened up to one of the biggest drops in history. So it is particularly inappropriate for Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden to be speaking about our borders and immigration the way they are right now. As things continually get worse, we should be focusing on how we as a country come together. What's really interesting is the argument that's emerged is that this is the end of globalization. I don't know if that's true or fair. It's just a thought. But I've brought it up, you know, in the past month that because of the factories being shut down, because of, you know, Trump and many other businesses now trying to set up factories and manufacturing in the U.S. because of border closures. Yeah, globalization has taken a major, major hit. And even Bernie Sanders has called this out of all people. So I can criticize them for their immigration stances. I do find it a bit, I don't know, I guess contradictory that Bernie would complain, would lament globalization and how it's hurt our manufacturing base, but then go on to say that people who are not citizens will not be deported, will not be arrested, and they will get access to our health care. You can't have it both ways, buddy. But from the Washington Examiner, they say the coronavirus didn't mark the end of globalization. It accelerated a malign trend that was already underway. Yes, the European travel ban is a peculiar Trumpian flourish. It is hard to imagine any previous president issuing a decree so far removed from scientific advice. President Trump is using the same formula that worked for him in the 2016 election, large and theatrical gestures rather than targeted and efficient ones. Just as building a wall does nothing to tackle the chief source of illegal immigration, visa overstays, so a travel ban aimed at a group of countries with, in many cases, less serious COVID-19 outbreaks than the United States is more symbolic than pragmatic. I will point out, since the publishing of this article, there has been, uh, I'm sorry, before the publishing, of, uh, I'm sorry, since the publishing of this article, the European Union criticized Trump's European travel ban, but now has instituted their own. It would seem that you can criticize the president all you want, but other people are starting to agree with him. They say, still, Trump wouldn't be acting this way if it were not popular. In a crisis, people want to pull up drawbridges. It is how our archaic fight or flight response works in modern conditions. As the actual illness, rather than fear of the illness spreads, the moon will harden. Psychologists will have observed that when we are suffering from a cold or flu, we become warier in our outlook and more authoritarian in our politics. Let me just wrap this up because I think we all get the point. Right now, people are concerned that something that started in China made its way here and is now hurting us. They are concerned that we are not doing enough to protect our communities. And there are many people calling for universal basic income, stipends, stimulus, and even outright universal health care amidst this crisis. As businesses close and the economy grinds to a halt and the markets start taking a major hit, you know what people are going to start saying? Nationalism. They're going to wonder why we have done so much for other people, why we are providing aid to other countries when we are in a crisis. They're going to ask the question I did in, in the context of this video. Why should we sacrifice in the midst of a, of a global pandemic, but then give health care and benefits to people who are not members of our community? As much as we do want to help everyone, as the saying goes, you must secure your own face mask before securing the mask of those sitting next to you. They tell us this every single time we board a flight, of which very few people are even doing right now. While we are facing a drop in air pressure, to use, it, to use that as a, a metaphor, then 
I think it's fair to say the United States needs to now secure its own air, its own oxygen mask and stop worrying so much about what it's going to do for other people and do its best to protect its own citizens. Everyone is freaking out and we are all sacrificing for this. But I do not believe it is fair to ask Americans to sacrifice and then give benefits to people who are not American. I can't tell you what to do, but I can say it really does seem like following this, Americans are going to have it in their minds that globalization has been bad. While there are certainly still going to be going to be many people on the left, we're already seeing the ranks be broken. Like I mentioned with Bernie Sanders, he called out China globalization manufacturing, yet still wants to maintain his deportation policy. You can see that even Bernie is beginning to have no choice but to say we must protect America and Americans. I'm not going to tell you what to think, but I will leave it there. Let me know what you think in the comments below. We'll keep that conversation going. Whether or not this is a good idea, we'll find out in November, assuming we get through this quickly. Now, I think it's fair to point out we are going to be fine. We're all sacrificing. Humans are resilient. We've faced much, much worse with much, much less. Technology is particularly great. We have the internet. You're watching me right now. So I think we're going to be all right. Bunker down, have some tacos, watch some TV. We'll make it through this. And hopefully we'll make it through it quickly so we can carry on like normal and get back to normal, have our elections. If you disagree with me, if you agree with Biden and Bernie, then come November, hopefully you have that opportunity. But I, I think everything's going to carry on like normal. I think a lot of experts are saying that we'll get through this by June. We'll see what happens. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. And I will see you all then. Text message rumors are circulating that the U.S. federal government will institute a national two-week quarantine, hard quarantine. Everyone must stay in your homes. Get your supplies now, it says. And it is fake news. Man, people love exploiting tragedy. I don't know where this rumor came from, but it is absurd on its face. The National Security Council tweeted out that it was fake. I'll read it in a second, but let me just say, when I first received this text, I received it, I did, and I had friends saying like, whoa, man, get ready in two, two to three days. The government's going to tell everyone you got to stay home and you can't go outside. That won't happen. It's, it's, it's possible. It really is, but it's very unlikely. And the reason is hundreds of thousands of people will die if they're locked in their homes under the threat of prosecution, a lot of people will panic and flee in random directions. And also, it's, it's, it's not effective. People, many people are already staying home. Now, there's a lot of dumb people trying to go to the bar. That's true. But those are mostly in, in the cities where people are, I don't know, whatever. I'll, I'll leave it there. It's in the cities for some reason. If people are locked in their homes for several weeks, there's going to be supply shortages, they're going to have to do federal food delivery. It's like, it's just not going to work. Then you're going to get riots. People are going to go nuts. So no, as soon as I saw this, I was like, come on, man. A, the two week hard. No, a nightly quarantine makes sense. The quarantines that exist right now, the ones we've actually seen uh, and uh, well, maybe not quarantine, but the curfews, I'm sorry. The curfews that we've seen in like Hoboken, New Jersey, you can't go out after 10 PM unless you're working or it's an emergency. So they're not really going to just grab you off the street and throw you in jail because you're outside. They're going to see you walking and they're going to say nothing. They're just telling you, stay home. And if you have to work or do something, no one's going to stop you from doing it, at least for the most part. So why they they would jump now to this hard, heavy handed tactic tactic is is, is absurd. You know, you guys got to be careful because there are a lot of people that are going to panic and try and exploit the circumstance just for fun. Because as we learned in the dark night, some people just want to watch the world burn. Well, the National Security Council tweeted, text message rumors of a national quarantine are fake. There is no national lockdown. 
CDC Gov has and will continue to post the latest guidance on COVID-19. And now I'm going to show you uh, why this is very likely to not be true. But we do have some serious news. A couple emergency room doctors in Seattle, in the Washington area, I think, are in critical condition with COVID-19. And we're hearing that the CDC is considering a uh, shutting down potentially nationwide bars and social clubs. But this is not the same as telling you to stay in your homes. This is them saying like, if you're a bar, a nightclub, after a certain time, you can't be open. So there is, but here's what may be the case. It may be that, let let me just show you. CDC backs an eight week ban on gatherings of more than 50 to fight coronavirus as New York, California, Ohio, Illinois, Massachusetts order bars and restaurants to shut, leaving millions of workers facing hardship. It's possible. This information was in a plan somewhere in the government and someone leaked it and it went viral incorrectly. It it, it went viral in 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 a rumor form that was not complete contextual information. Because this, if somebody at the CDC was like, what if we did a two week thing where we said you can't gather in groups of 50 or more? I think we should consider this and implement it. Someone there freaked out and text their friend, dude, they're saying they want to lock things down for two weeks. And then their friend went nuts and said, two week quarantine. Ah, yeah, everybody just chill. So uh, here's here, I'm going to show you something. I'm not going to play the video because it's extremely graphic, but it's it's we're, we're going to get in some touchy subjects. This is a tweet from Jennifer Zhang, and it's a video allegedly I don't I can't this is not verified, but it's a semi viral tweet. A lot of people have been sending them, sending this to me saying you got to check this out. Posted a couple days ago. It says, disturbing video. Some say this is a whole family who died at home due to COVID-19 in Jixianli community in Kyoku district in Wuhan. Official report says the above is a rumor. This video is from February 17th. 75-year-old retired professor Tang and spouse found fainted at home due to Parkinsonism. After being sent to the hospital, they are fine now. There have been tons of videos from Iran and China and, well, the, the other countries where people have passed out, collapsed in the street. I don't know the the current status of many of these people. Some of them are believed to have been the coronavirus, COVID-19. We now have several, a couple different doctors saying they've never seen anything like this. The complication rate is extremely high. So uh, you, I, I, you may have heard this before, but it's important to say in this context, it affects your lungs, makes it hard to breathe, and people then pass out from lack of oxygen. In this video, you can see a woman just fainted in her doorway and a man in his bed. This was February 17th. I think the reason the mortality rate is low right now is because of the actions we're taking and because we're hospitalizing people. But already in Pennsylvania, some hospitals are rationing out gear because it's starting to 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 overwhelm us. Now, there's only there's a few thousand cases. But as we heard from Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York yesterday, of the 3,000 ICU beds, they have 80% are already filled. This is what people don't realize. They're saying things like, it's just like the flu, right? Except flu complication is really low. When you get the flu, what do you do? You stay in bed, you put a blanket on, you drink fluids, you get soup, you watch TV, and you sweat it out. And yeah, flu is awful, man. I've had the flu once before, and it was excruciating. I was, I was miserable. But I didn't go to the hospital. I just stayed home feeling like trash, wishing for it to go away. Apparently with the coronavirus, with COVID-19, it affects your lungs, causing a severe pneumonia, which makes it difficult to breathe. And then people have to be put on ventilators. 
That's the, that's the crisis right now. So what people don't seem to realize is that when all of the flu hits, our ICU beds stay open. Now, sure, there's probably some older people who get sent to the ICU with flu, I'm sure. But the, 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 these beds are typically nearing capacity already with little, with little room available. Now that we're having an extreme complication rate, relatively extreme, 18 to 20%, these beds are filling up very, very fast. So long as we have these beds, we'll save their lives. However, what people don't seem to get is they're saying, well, look, man, I got a 97% chance of survival, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's because of the measures we're taking. If our hospital system becomes overwhelmed, that mortality rate is going to go up a lot faster. Let's read the story from the Daily Mail first, and then I'll show you uh, what's going on with the, the, uh, the emergency room doctors. Now, this is what's likely to affect you. Large swaths of America are shutting down after the Center for Disease Control and Prevention on Sunday night advised against holding large gatherings of more than 50 people for at least eight weeks to fight the coronavirus. The recommendations led to four states ordering bars and restaurants to effectively shut, limiting them to takeout only. And New York City ordered the same as well as the shutting down of nightclub cinemas and theaters. And now this is happening in Los Angeles, I believe. I don't know if they mentioned Los Angeles. Washington, Ohio, Illinois, Massachusetts, all ordered bars and restaurants to offer takeout food only. California has asked all bars to shut, and Los Angeles has ordered owners of establishments to shut them down. The developments mean economic hardship for millions of service industry workers who will miss out on tips even if they are still paid. Many independent businesses are also unlikely to be able to survive a period of prolonged closure. The closures announced so far, New York City will begin on Tuesday, Ohio, Sunday and last indefinitely. Illinois, closures will begin on Monday. Massachusetts, uh, bar owners will begin to shut their doors Tuesday. In Washington state, uh, bars will close on Monday. Meanwhile, California officials have asked bars to shut down temporarily. Denver will make an announcement about closures on Monday at 11 a.m. It appears that all states will soon issue similar advisories for residents. In a memo shared on their website, the CDC advised state officials that large events and mass gatherings such as festivals at conferences and parades could contribute to the spread of COVID-19. Therefore, CDC, in accordance with its guidance for large events and mass gatherings, recommends that for the next eight weeks, organizers cancel or postpone in-person events that consist of 50 or more throughout the United States, the CDC said. So I want to stop there. I don't know if you guys saw the text message that was going viral saying that there was going to be a two-week quarantine, go get your supplies now, whatever. I think it was likely a corruption of this information, meaning when, when somebody got wind, I, I know I mentioned it before, I, the reason I'm clarifying now is because I thought they were actually, the CDC was actually preparing to back a full-on lockdown. It's not even that. The CDC is apparently just saying, we're advising you not to have gatherings. That's all they really need to do. Most people are, are going to, out of self-interest, not go out and party at clubs. I'll tell you what, man, there's some videos. There's a viral video of a woman like St. Patrick's Day partying saying, She's immunocompromised, but it's cool because she takes she takes supplements, so she'll be okay. Yeah, that's what people are saying, not realizing. You know, there was a tweet that went viral where some woman said, "How can you spread the virus if you're healthy and don't have it?" And people started saying that, well, for one, it can be on you whether you have it or not, and you can spread it to someone else. Duh. Or you could be asymptomatic and not realize you actually do have it. So that's why it's important we take this seriously. It's the complication rate right, that we need to be uh, pay attention to. The developments came after Donald Trump earlier on Sunday urged Americans not to stockpile food and told citizens to take it easy. Vice President Mike Pence also insisted that food stores will stay open indefinitely. 
Trump also urged Americans to stop coronavirus stockpiling and instead and insisted the outbreak is under tremendous control. The president said the federal, state and local governments are all working with these retail leaders, including Walmart, Costco, Target, Whole Foods, Publix and several more to ensure there are no shortages of goods and foods. Traders are bracing for another slide in shares on Monday. So by the time you watch this, I'm not going to get into the stock market thing. I might cover it later. By the time you watch this, you're, you're going to see the results of, of, you know, they're calling it Black Monday version two, even though the markets haven't opened it. We will, we will see. I'll also throw in right now, there have been a lot of people who have messaged me saying, I don't, say, I don't I'll say a lot, but I've got a handful of messages saying that I'm kind of giving off mixed signals. So for that, I will apologize. It's not my intent. I'll just say that there seems to be a bit of, there's conflicting narratives emerging. You know, BuzzFeed put out this story saying that in 2009, that Health and Human Services advised intelligence personnel to, to have three, three months of food av- available during the next uncontrolled pandemic. Whether or not we're controlled or uncontrolled, I don't know. But the point I'm trying to make there is not that you should go out and freak out and buy much stuff, because you should not, absolutely, as I've stated in every video, but that there's, here, there's, here's some difficulties. We, we, you know, I myself am getting this, you know, wild swing of information where you have some sources saying all is good, let's chill. And then you have these videos pop up from China of people passed out in their homes, doctors in the emergency room. So it is kind of hard to figure out what's really going on. But I'll say a couple of things. You should definitely have supplies. You should not stockpile a year's worth of toilet paper. That's insane. And something's wrong with you if you've done that. Well, no, I should take that back. If before this, you have a general store of various goods you use for a variety of reasons. That's fine. If you run to the store full speed and try and fight with an old lady over toilet paper, something's wrong with you. Please don't do that. There's a, there's a, I'm referring to that video where a lady's got like five packs of toilet paper and she's trying to take one away from the old lady who has one. Stop, please. But you know you should, have, you should definitely have some, pl- some supplies. I'll also point out that there is a divide in the, in the urgency based on if you live in a rural or urban area. People in urban areas are more likely to be freaking out you know, the, the data here is making it fall in partisan lines where they're saying that Democrats are more likely to take this seriously. Republicans aren't. And I'm like, yeah, it's obvious. Democrats live in dense cities. So if you're at the, out in the middle of nowhere, I'm not surprised if you're chilled about this. And if you live in a city, I'm not surprised if you're if you're full on panicking. Now, we have this story from The New York Times. Two emergency room, doc- two emergency room doctors are in critical condition with coronavirus. The hospitalizations sharpen fears that the nation's frontline medical workers could be uniquely vulnerable a healthcare organization said. I honestly don't think this is news because I don't know if you've spent time in a hospital, but it's actually one of the places you're very likely to get sick. You have a lot of people who are sick concentrating. You have people who have various illnesses showing up to the front, touching everything. So this actually was, it's predictable. It happens. And we did talk about this before we got to this point that the doctors need the masks, the gloves. And that's why there was a concern that people were buying them up. If the doctors start getting sick, if the nurses start getting sick, then our, our healthcare capacity starts going down. What we want to do is maximize the capacity. We've got doctors working double shifts, working overtime. In Italy, it's really, really harsh. A lot of these people are just working nonstop hours to deal with the influx of, of complications from the coronavirus. We want to make sure they have the supplies they need. And that's why it's important people don't go out and buy masks. The big thing about masks, too, and I'll, and I'll clarify this, is that they are not particularly effective for the average person. Of course, they will reduce the chance that you could, you could, for the most part, transmit. And to a smaller degree, get the virus. You need the full gear. And we also need to prioritize who gets the gear. So for me, I'm not going to go buy a mask because I'm not going to go to a densely populated area. I'm just going to leave it to the doctors who are going to need it. 
there's uh, one thing that was happening to a lot of these doctors. They were passing out from dehydration because if you take the gear off, you have to throw it away and there's already a, sh- already a shortage. So what we're seeing in Pennsylvania right now is one story that, that recently came out. They're starting to ration their protective equipment. So if you're wearing full gear and you want to take a break, get something to drink, you know, wash up, you've got to take it all off and throw it away. You can't put it back on. The way, the way you take this stuff off is you take it off from the inside and then you ball it up, you throw it in the trash. I'm not an expert, so uh, don't take my word for it. It's probably a little bit more complicated than that. But that's why you know, it's, it's important they have access to this. If they can't take it off, a lot of these doctors haven't been drinking water or eating because they don't have the supplies to, to re-gear up, and then they end up fainting and stuff. Well, let's, let's, let's read a little bit of this. Now, I'm going I'm to show you a, a what not to do story. The New York Times reports, two emergency medicine doctors in New Jersey and Washington. New Jersey. <laughs> I thought it was just in Washington. I'm in New Jersey. And Washington State are in critical condition as a result of coronavirus, reinforcing concerns that the nation's frontline medical workers are becoming especially vulnerable to the virus. The American College of Emergency Physicians said, a lot of us think that despite everything you do, we will probably be exposed, said Dr. William Jacquis, the chair of the group. Still, he said the first reported case certainly sends a shockwave through the community. Emergency rooms represent a busy intake point for hospitals where patients come in with symptoms but no diagnosis. As the coronavirus spreads during the typical flu season, emergency physicians are triaging large numbers of patients around the country with symptoms that could be the virus. As compared to anyone else at this hospital, you are operating with the most incomplete information. One of the ill physicians, a man in his 40s, is a doctor at Evergreen Health Medical Center in Kirkland, Washington, a hospital near Seattle, which has seen one of the largest concentrations of cases in the U.S., The other physician, a doctor in his 70s in Patterson, New Jersey, was also in isolation and intensive care. The doctor led his institution's emergency preparedness and was admitted to the hospital several days ago with upper respiratory problems, the physician's group said. So um, my respect and admiration to these doctors, particularly this doctor in his 70s, who has put himself at at tremendous risk to lead this effort to help people who may be experiencing this virus. It's sad to see that, that, you know, it's it's uh, to me, it's on par with, you know, a firefighter running into the burning building or an officer, a police officer running into a crime scene and taking that great risk. These doctors keep in mind, these are emergency, th- these are our emergency service personnel too. And they are, and they are, they are facing the real threats every day. So I hope, I hope these doctors recover and, you know, that's all I can really say. Now I'm going to show you a little bit of what not to do. This is a story that makes me, man, Face palm, I guess. I don't know if you saw the story the other day. I talked about a little bit. Patient 31 in South Korea. This was the 31st person to contract the coronavirus who was advised she should be tested and refused and then went on to make contact with over a thousand different people. The, the, the single worst point, uh, point of failure for the spread in South Korea. This person exacerbated the problem to an extreme degree. And many people have been saying, if the doctor advised you to get tested, stop, you know, going around self, self-quarantine, you should do it for others. And also, come on, if you're sick, stay home, get better, right? Well, apparently in Korea, salt water spray infects 46 churchgoers in South Korea. The church in Gyeonggi province sprayed salt water into the mouths of its followers out of a belief it would kill the virus. The new cases have fueled the South Korean government's efforts to clamp down on possible clusters as cases rise to 8,236. Let me just let me just give you the gist of this story. They took a spritz bottle of salt water and people would walk in and they would put it in their mouths and spritz. 46 people ended up getting infected because they weren't disinfecting the bottle. And not only that, it doesn't do anything anyway. 
Well, there you go. So, you know, I guess for the most part, I can leave it there. We, we've, we've seen what happens when you do hard quarantines. It's not a good idea. That vi- I'm not going to play that video for you, but I want to circle back to that and just wrap up on this final thought. It shows a woman collapsed in, in, in her doorway. And as we've seen with the other videos around the, around the world of people collapsing in the street, this is why hard quarantine doesn't make sense. People need to go and get supplies and they need supplies. And we need to keep an eye on people. One of the things that always kind of, you know, is always in the back of my mind when, when I would live alone is like, what would happen if you lived alone and you slipped and fell and hit your head? That, that's like, what do you do? There's no one there to call anybody. And then you just lie on the ground and you, you know, bleed out. I guess that's the end, right? But if you live with other people and you slip and fall and hit your head and someone hears it, well, then you're going to be okay. If you're outside and you collapse, people are going to see it and hopefully you'll be okay. These people were locked in their homes, apparently. I don't know. I don't, you know, we, we've known China's been doing this. So for the government to institute any kind of hard quarantine, I think would be a tremendously bad idea because as much as we're socially distancing, there will be a major benefit to make sure we are still keeping up with each other, talking on the phone. So I guess the last thing I'll say is if you, if you have, you know, elderly friends and family, people close to you, or just anyone in general, make sure that even if you guys are self-isolating and staying in your apartments, or whatever, you're in constant contact with your friends and family, keep conversations up. Social distancing means physical contact. It doesn't mean digital internet communications. Thanks to the internet and our smartphones, we are now able to keep in better contact with our loved ones. So just keep that in mind. You know, people who are by themselves, we want to make sure we check up on that, check up on them and, ha- and keep these conversations going. I'll, I'll leave it there. Stick around, you know, uh, any updates, I'll have them. Next video will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. Well, some have been running out to buy up all the toilet paper from your local Walmart. Others have rushed to gun stores to buy guns and ammunition. And what's really interesting about this to me is that they're in urban areas. It's kind of funny. Now city folk are starting to realize just why you might need that good old Second Amendment. Unfortunately, for many of these people, they live in states with pretty strict laws. Well, I live in New Jersey, and I think one of the reasons people might be panicking is they just instituted a statewide 8 p.m. curfew. I kid you not, where I live, they have straight up said, I cannot leave my home after 8 p.m. Welcome to the Corona apocalypse, where people are buying up guns, toilet paper, and can't leave their houses after a certain time. Let's jump right into the news from the Daily Mail. Nervous Americans start panic buying guns as sales rocket across the country and long lines form outside hunting shops amid coronavirus fears. Now, let let, let me stop right here. I know I mentioned that one of the reasons people are freaking out is the curfew. New York, Connecticut and New Jersey, they call it the tri-state if you're in the New York metro. They have instituted a bar venue kind of shutdown and you can't gather in groups of 50 or more. So theaters are only allowing they, they can only sell 50 tickets. Man, the economy is taking a massive hit from this, but it's not just businesses. It's also the market, which opened to a 10% drop. My understanding is so far, it's the worst we've ever seen in history or just about. So yes, people are naturally starting to panic because if things don't pick up and the, and the, and the stores don't get supplies, how long do you think it'll be until people start going nuts? I don't think that will really happen because before that happens, we'll probably see martial law, which I don't think we're actually even close to just yet. Honestly, this is pretty serious and it's pretty freaky. The fact that I just found out the governor said I can't leave my home at 8 p.m. makes me want to run out into the street at 8.05 p.m. and start dancing because we can do about it. No, but I mean, I'm not really going to go anywhere because I don't have anywhere to go for the most part. But 
I don't know, man. It's starting to feel really freaky. And I'm not super concerned about getting the virus. To be honest, if I got sick, I know the symptoms are likely to be mild, but I know that spreading it could be really, really bad. The elderly and immunocompromised people are at risk. Hospitals are already starting to get overloaded and, and they're rationing supplies. So I get it. But I'll tell you what, I think, I think we're at the point of, it's serious. We're there. For months, I've been saying like, oh, it might get bad. Uh, it's bad now. It's bad now. I don't know how long, you know, they've said this, this, this quarantine curfew type thing will be in effect in, in, for the foreseeable future. And definitely, I can only assume it's going to hit your state too, except for West Virginia. West Virginia has no re- reported cases, at least so far. So, hey, what are you going to do? Let's read about the guns. Americans have started to panic by guns with sales rocketing across the country and shoppers lining up around the block outside hunting shops amid coronavirus fears. California, New York, and Washington, the state's hardest hit by the deadly bug, all saw a massive surge in gun sales. Some buyers sought to protect their families from looters should food and supplies run out due to coronavirus panic. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're seeing the worst of it right now. That's about it. Others fear the government's emergency powers could restrict their right to buy a gun, while some Asian Americans bought weapons to protect themselves from potential racist attacks. Now, that part's true. The government might crack down. They call it emergency socialism. Already, we're seeing people call for it, and we're seeing calls for permanent measures to be put in place. Y'all need to calm down. Emergencies happen. But these people will never let a good crisis go to waste, and they're going to try and take what they can. Check out these photos. So this one, I think, is in this is Culver City, California. It's very close to Los Angeles. You can see a line outside of a gun shop. This is New York. Uh, actually, no, no, this is Burbank, California. California, man, people rushing to buy those guns of all places. Gun world. Check that out. It comes as thousands of Americans flocked to supermarkets to stockpile essential goods. No, no, let me stop you right there. They mostly stockpiled toilet paper. Come on. About the, about the coronavirus, which has killed 69 and infected 3,774 in the U.S. alone. Huge lines stretched along the sidewalks outside the Martin B. Redding gun store in Culver City. Another stretch of shoppers was seen outside Gunworld in Burbank. U.S. correspondent for Australian Network 9 News, Amelia Adams, tweeted, Cues to buy guns in L.A. Buyers tell me they're scared of what will happen if people run out of food and supplies and they need to protect their families. Gee, so many people in New York and California all of a sudden see the importance of the Second Amendment. Now, I'll be fair. I think you can have rational informational gun uh, control measures. But regardless of my opinion, I used to be much more on the, you know, on the left side of gun control up until, you know, some people made a really good point to me that the constitution isn't, isn't, you know, you, you can't just pick and choose what you want in it. And so I respect that because I like the first amendment. So in that regard, I just said, well, you know what, fine. If they really want to change it, you got to change the constitution first, which will never happen. So for, for the time being, quote, shall not be infringed is the best I could say. I mean, whether you like it or not, right? Check out these photos. It's crazy. John Gore, 39, who lined up outside with uh, the Martin B. Redding store on Saturday, told the LA Times, politicians and anti-gun people have been telling us for the longest time that we don't need guns. But right now, a lot of people are truly scared and they can make the decision themselves. Anna, who had never bought a gun before, said, it's not like an act of panic, more a preoccupation with making sure everyone is adequately prepared, myself and my family and friends. Let's stop. Let's talk about the reality of a true breakdown. Now, you can, you can talk all day about people running through the streets, raiding stores, riots, and protecting your family, but let's be real. Guns serve a purpose outside of protecting yourself, hunting. And often when, when it comes to gun control, the politicians like to say, oh, hunting. No, but it's hunting and survival. 
it is protecting yourself and it's, it's protecting yourself in terms of resources. If you lived in the wilderness or let's say this pandemic really becomes, you know, the great apocalypse or whatever, which I really, really don't think guns aren't just about putting in a lockbox in case someone breaks in your house. It's so that when you and your family are out doing your thing, you can provide from them the old fashioned way. Like there's reasons to have tools, whatever the tools may be. So now they're talking about protecting their families. But I'll be honest, man, I think if things really did get bad, people are going to leave these cities in droves to go find resources. Better to be prepared and not need it than to need it and not have it. Ralph Charette, 71, spent $1,500 at a store in Germantown, Wisconsin, and told USA Today, there's so much uncertainty and paranoia, but you've got to protect your own. Gun sales also soared in San Gabriel Valley, Los Angeles, as Asian Americans feared they could be, be, be victims of racist attacks due to coronavirus, which originated in China. Arcadia Firearm and Safety, David, uh, and Safety, David Liu told CBSN that many are fearing for their safety should people in their local area catch the bug. What, are they, what do you think is going to happen? People are going to be like staggering towards you, coughing, saying, help me. You have to stop the zombie plague. No, no, no. Online ammunition store Ammo.com said there has been a 68% increase in sales from February 23rd when Italy's major outbreak was first reported. Yeah, those are the people who are paying attention, mind you. Donald Trump urged Americans not to stockpile food and told citizens to take it easy on Sunday. Well, I don't know. I don't remember Donald Trump saying don't buy weapons. So these people are going to go buy weapons. Not that they would listen to Trump if he said don't buy weapons. Vice President Mike Pence also insisted that food stores will stay open indefinitely. Trump also insisted the outbreak is under tremendous control. Yeah, I, that's actually true, by the way. Trump's right. It is. They just told me I can't leave my house at 8 p.m. I'm pretty sure they're controlling everything very well. The president said the federal, state, and local governments are all working with, with these retail leaders, including Walmart, Costco, Target, Whole Foods, Publix, and several more to ensure there are no shortages of goods and food. Now, I do have a couple other stories related to coronavirus because there's a uh, USA Today. I think they specifically talk. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I have local Phoenix news. So this is Mesa uh, and Phoenix area. Coronavirus concerns cause gun store owners to see big uptick in handgun and shotgun purchases. Now we've gone over this. I'll come back to this because it's not, now we're talking about areas like Phoenix where I'm not surprised people are buying weapons. But let me tell you why I think a lot of people are going to start freaking out. At this point, I need to say you should never panic. You should not freak out. You should be calm. And what we're seeing from these people who are going and buying weapons is calm and orderly. What we've seen from the panic buying has actually been, to a certain extent, calm and orderly. Now, the people who are buying all the toilet paper, man, you got to stop doing that. But a lot of people who have gone out and went shopping have done so in an orderly fashion, be it guns or, or food. This is a really, really good sign. I think there's a problem in that everyone's rushing out at the exact same time because they all heard about it, heard about it at once. And for those of us that have been paying attention for the past several months, we got all that stuff done a long time ago. And uh, my shout out to the preppers who went out and bought this stuff years ago and have been sitting at home laughing, saying, I got mine. So congratulations, you get the last laugh. But now we're going to see real panic. New Jersey asks for statewide curfew and casinos, restaurants to close until further notice. Check this out. Let me actually uh, uh, zoom in here. It's a little, little small. New Jerseyans should not leave their homes from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. as Governor Phil Murphy announced an extraordinary action of recommending a statewide curfew for his 9 million residents to attempt to contain the spread of the novel coronavirus. All casinos, restaurants, bars, movie theaters, and gyms must shut down at 8 p.m. and will remain closed until further notice in New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut, the three governors announced Monday. Now, as for the rest of those states, New Jersey is the one where we're not allowed to leave. 
Now, you may not live in New Jersey. In fact, most of you don't live in New Jersey. But let me tell you, man, New Jersey won't be the last. I'm willing to predict that these curfew measures will expand, though I don't necessarily think they need them. The issue is the governor apparently said too many people are out partying and not listening. So he he decided to make it a hard order. You're going to see in Chicago, California, and, and, and other big cities where people just don't care. We already saw in New Orleans on Bourbon Street, a bunch of squad cars pulled up and said, everyone go home. You're putting people at risk. Apparently now they're shutting it down. They're saying you can't stay open. First, you will likely see where you live. You'll see them saying bars and restaurants must close at a certain time, delivery only. That's what New York is doing. Then you're going to see what New Jersey is doing, because here's, here's what I think. I think the government wanted to enact this stuff immediately, but if they did, it would create chaos. You've got to do it slowly. So first they say, hey, heads up. Then they say, hey, get down. Now they're saying, hey, lockdown. If they came out before anyone saw anything and announced there was a major virus and they're going to be shutting everything down, people would run out their, run out their doors full speed. There was a rumor going around that there would be a nationwide martial law, like hard quarantine, everyone in their home for two weeks straight. That's absurd. That wouldn't work. You can still, so, so for me, I live in New Jersey, right? I'm not worried at all. I really don't have anywhere to go to 8 p.m. I do my show then, and then I go to bed afterwards. So I'm not going out. We're doing the podcast, Timcast IRL. However, if you were really worried and you didn't want to be stuck here, there's no, there's no curfew you know, in the midday. So you can get in your car and you can leave. No one's stopping you. And I got to be honest, man. If after 8 p.m. you got in your car and you took off, no one's going to say anything to you. This is mostly about, it's, it's more of an honor system. And I think most people are going to abide by. There will be some people who don't. But you're not going to see cops, first of all, willing or able to actually stop people who go out. Now, if someone's walking around doing nothing, here's what I bet would happen. A cop's going to pull up and say, hey, you know, what are you doing? And they're going to say, I'm going out. And they're going to say, yeah, go back home, dude. And that's the end of it. They might even say, we'll give you a ride. But I really doubt it because they're going to be like, I don't want to get sick. So I I don't see us at the point where there's going to be hard militaristic law enforcement. I really don't expect a cop to, to arrest somebody because how could the police literally arrest every resident if the residents wanted to go out? The order, in my opinion, is going to be followed through by most people who are going to say, you got it. And they're going to they're going to do it. That's going to be the end of it. But there is potential for escalation based on where we're seeing uh, based on where China is at how they've started opening up doors and, and loosening these controls. I think it's fair to say we're in for a couple weeks. We might have travel restrictions for a couple months. Keep all of that in mind. At this point, I personally am not worried about any kind of chaos, calamity or collapse. I really, really am not. But I will say I did buy supplies because we are we are closer than we've ever been. We are absolutely closer than we've ever been to a real crash or collapse. The government will be fine. The military state, the security apparatus are strong and durable, and I'm not super concerned. And, you know, the worst case scenario is the virus overloads our hospitals. A lot of people die, but the country would survive. Now, I'm saying that's the worst case scenario. What I think we're going to see for now is an expansion of these curfew policies. And I don't think we're going to see harsh enforcement. I think people are just going to agree to agree with it. So let's check it out. Everyone needs to stay in it and stay safe, Murphy said in a phone call with New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont to announce the new restrictions. And we can't say this enough that everyone needs to stay in and be safe. And just because you don't feel sick, and this is a particular shout out to our young people, it doesn't mean you aren't carrying the virus. And the last thing that anyone should be thinking about is going out and spreading the disease. In New Jersey, more than 100 people have tested positive for COVID-19 after Bergen County announced 13 additional cases Monday 
At least two people have died as, as of Sunday. Quote, I saw too many videos last night of packed bars, people passing bottles, drinking from the same bottle, literally globbed on top of each other, Murphy said Sunday, after saying he was considering the curfew. In short of shutting down the, in short of shutting the entire state down, clipping establishments by a number of hours each night, in particular, we believe will have a meaningful positive outcome in terms of social distancing. The wide reaching measures come in, comes in the wake of a new recommendation Sunday from the CDC saying gatherings of 50 people or more should not take place for the next eight weeks, though the guidelines did not apply to businesses or schools. The governors of New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut, all Democrats, announced they would follow the CDC's guidelines and were critical of the Trump administration's response, saying it has fallen behind in its response of the fast spreading virus to the fast spreading virus. That means that three states, casinos, gyms, movie theaters, bars, and restaurants would close at 8 p.m., Restaurants can only offer takeout services. An overreaction? Possibly. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, epidemiologist, virologist. I can't tell you. What I can tell you is often the panic is worse than the disease. So I think, as I've mentioned in several videos, there's real reason why we're taking this seriously because the mortality rate is particularly high. This, I think, is dangerous and a bad idea. I think New Jersey is panicking itself. I think the governor of New Jersey is panicking. I talked to some locals. I live in South Jersey, right? It's a Philadelphia suburb. And someone told me that at the government level, they were acting like, I, don't, I want to be kind of vague here because I don't want to you know, mis, misquote somebody, but they were treating it like this could be the apocalypse. When the government panics, that, that panic ripples down to everyone and, you, and that's bad. I think New Jersey just made a serious mistake with this curfew. I seriously do, because it's going to cause people to freak out and they're going to get in their cars and they're going to drive off and they're going to GTFO because no one wants to be locked down. But let me tell you this. I do. I do have fears that we are closer than we've ever been to a real catastrophe. We're in the midst of a crisis. Things are being locked down. How many people want to wait to stick around to see what happens next? I got to be honest. A lot of people might have no choice, but this is going to cause a lot of people to, well, freak out. A freak out, which I think is partially, you know, to, to, a, decent, to a decent extent, unwarranted. But everyone has a different threshold for when they get the heebie-jeebies, you know? And there's going to be a lot of people who have RVs, and they're going to be like, no way, man. Because first it comes a nightly quarantine, then comes the hard quarantine, and you never know when it's going to end. Because let me tell you right now, New Jersey said for the foreseeable future. There's, there's no saying when they're going to stop this quarantine. Now, here's what I'm thinking. People are going to panic. I'm here in New Jersey. I know right now, if I really wanted to leave, I'm minutes away from a different state. I can hop in my car right now and go wherever I want. No problem. Is there a concern that in the next week, if this gets really bad, and it likely will, they're going to say, we're, we're pushing the quarantine now to 5 p.m., to 4 p.m., to all non-essential travel. Now you can't leave your home at all if you're not working. To what extent will this expand? I honestly don't know. If the government itself is panicking, that's when things get bad. And I think New Jersey made a serious mistake. And that's why New York and Connecticut didn't do this. When you start restricting freedoms and threatening people, they freak out. This is why gun sales always go through the roof when you end up seeing a Democratic president, because people are worried they won't be able to get them. They want to act fast. This was a serious mistake. I think it is in the best interest of all of these governments in this crisis to allow people to freely move, but recommend quarantine. As I stated for now, I really, really don't think the government has the capacity to enforce a hard quarantine. This, while they're saying they want you to stay inside, 
I really don't think anything will happen if you go out. There are way more people than there are, you know, cops or whatever. So people are mostly just going to abide by this. And to be honest, so will I. I mean, look, I do my show, like I mentioned, I got no reason to go out, but it is going to be worrying because whenever you're preparing for something, you're thinking about what comes next. And I've always said this. We've seen an escalation in street violence to a certain degree over the past couple of years. We've seen people get arrested, you know, as the as the political factions were fighting each other. And I always ask, what do you think comes next? Because people escalate things. If they feel something isn't working or they need to one up the they need to up the ante, then things start to escalate. What comes next after an 8 p.m. curfew is an expanded curfew or a hard curfew. And then what comes next after that? I don't want to tell you, man, but what I can say is, I mean, for, for most people, the safest thing you can do is, is follow the guidelines, abide by the curfews, but do not let any of these people, do not stand for a permanence to any of these new policies. If after the coronavirus, you know, kind of goes away and, 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 and as we can see from other countries, it's starting to happen. They want to implement these things permanently. Say no, do not let them do it. Sue them, whatever you got to do, because these politicians are absolutely interested in getting permanent authority based on one crisis, which is temporary. After a crisis, things should go back to the way they were, no matter what. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on uh, youtube.com slash TimCast. It is a different channel, and I will see you all there. You know, I often base my opinions and my segments off of mainstream news sources that are certified by a third party, because what else can we really do? Now, I try to read through these stories, fact check them, and add an extra layer of scrutiny on top. Just because they're mainstream news doesn't mean they're always correct. And now we are faced with a real conundrum. It seems CNN may have actually fallen for the text hoax and for some reason believed it was real or maybe a source they had thought it was real. But let me me back up. This morning, I did a segment talking about this viral text message that claimed Donald Trump was going to invoke the Stafford Act. And he was going to hard quarantine all Americans for two weeks. So you better go get your supplies now. It was not true. It was a stupid viral hoax. But for some reason, people eat this stuff up. And I do not believe journalists are exempt from falling for stupid hoaxes. The, the, uh, the Daily Caller now reports, White House denies report about potential national curfew. No discussions taking place. I don't know if this is the exact same story. But it sounds so similar. National curfew. No, it's not true. But the CDC did recommend people stay home and don't do these gatherings larger than 50. You know what I think might have happened? Because I mentioned this in the other segment. I think somebody working with the government said something to a journalist and it's a game of telephone. But what you need to realize is that when these mishaps happen, it gives you a glimpse into how bad the media really is. These are people they don't know any more than you do. They talked to their buddy who works in the government who told them something and they believed it was true and they reported as fact, but it's not necessarily a fact. It is an unconfirmed rumor. They say anonymous sources say X will happen just because a source said it doesn't mean it's true. This is the craziest thing about how the press works today. Here's the example I give. I could make a story saying Donald Trump plans to invoke national curfew, says source. And the source is a guy in the alley who's you know drunk and, and sitting on the curb, and he's a, you know a homeless guy ranting about aliens. Well, but a source said, yeah, it's important. Sometimes we know who those sources are, but we can't always do that. I get it, but just because a source said it doesn't make it true. The caller reports: the White House is pushing back on Monday reporting from CNN, claiming the administration is discussing a national curfew to combat the spread of coronavirus. 
CNN originally reported that the curfew would encourage businesses to close at a certain time each night. Yet Katie Miller, press secretary to Vice President Mike Pence, told the Daily Caller that, quote, there are no discussions taking place about a curfew. Betsy Klein tweeted, new, with Barbara Starr, CNN, there are active discussions within the Trump administration to encourage a possible curfew across the nation in which non-essential businesses would have to close by a certain time each night, according to an administrative, uh, administration official and another source familiar. Miller told PBS that the immediate pushback was to stop bad information from spreading. They love to criticize independent commentary, YouTube channels, social media personalities for spreading bad information. They claim it's the rise of this, which has given way to fake news. Yet they do the exact same thing. Oh, but someone told me it's true. White House Deputy Press Secretary Judd Deere additionally told the Daily Caller that the story is flat out not correct. Yamache Alcindor, Katie Miller from the vice president's office is stressing there is no talk of a national curfew and no talk of domestic travel restrictions. I don't want bad information out there to scare people, she said. Both Deere and Miller actively disputed CNN's report on Twitter. I'm going to tell you right now, I was reading CNN and they mentioned potential domestic travel restrictions. And if that's not true, well, then I think we've all been taken for a ride. And it's thanks to CNN for putting out bad information. Katie Miller is tweeting it's not correct. And then we see Judd Deere also saying it's not correct. The White House's denial comes shortly after it was revealed that the Department of Health and Human Services was subject to a, of a cyber attack over the weekend. As a result, the White House National Security Council shot down false information circulating social media, circulating on social media of the White House's plan to institute a national quarantine. Vice President Mike Pence told reporter Sunday to expect the coronavirus task force to roll out new recommendations for the public on social distancing on Monday. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the top national institutes, the top national institutes of health official on the task force, added that the recommendation would look like what is currently going on in European countries that have not been mandated, that have not been mandated national quarantines, namely the shuttering of restaurants, bars and other social gatherings, gathering locations. There's some weird punctuation here. Surgeon General Jerome Adams said Monday that there's every chance the United States could end up like Italy if people do not start taking social distancing seriously. We are where Italy was two weeks ago in terms of our numbers, and we have a choice to make as a nation, he said during a Fox News interview. Do we want to go the direction of South Korea and be really aggressive and lower our mortality rates, or do we want to go the direction of Italy? Well, as I mentioned this morning, I want to give you the update from the NSC directly. We can see the National Security Council tweeted text message rumors of a national quarantine are fake. There is no national lockdown. CDC Gov has and will continue to post the latest guidance. So here's what CNN is reporting now. I'm not sure if this, this is the same story. They say it was updated. And I believe this story may be the actual story, but changed. And what I love about this is it says updated, but let me just check if there's an editor's note at the bottom explaining what they changed. No, there isn't. Is there a correction? Let's let's do a, a quick search for the word correction. There is not. Is there editor's note? There is, oh, oh, is there really an editor's note? There is no editor's note. So this is the big problem I have with media. It, it didn't used to be this way in newspapers that if they wrote a story, they couldn't change it. It was hard printed. It would be out the next day. They'd have to issue that correction. Now, as the saying goes, the lie travels halfway around the world before the truth can strap on his boots. So as soon as they published the story saying that, oh, you know, there's going to be a national, a national lockdown or a curfew, everyone goes nuts. Text messages go wild. 
And then once they finally get a statement, they say, walk it back. But where's the correction, CNN? Where's the update? Why do I have to rely on Trump supporters like Mike Cernovich to document these changes? I shouldn't have to do that. But sure enough, yes, it was not not in this story. I don't think so. But there was a certain story that Cernovich actually took a screenshot of before and after. Why should that be the case? Shouldn't CNN say here was the previously reported story and here are the changes we made? Because a lot of outlets do this. At a time where we're facing a national crisis, we can't and we, and we can't rely on the media, yet they want to politicize this. They come out and say, we can't rely on the president. We've got more in government than just the president. We have many different officials, many different agencies from local, state to federal. So sure, criticize the president, criticize the government officials, but there's many, many different people. The problem with the media is that they're the ones supposed to be providing the information and even they aren't getting it right. So you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. That being said, here's the updated story and what they're saying now. The Trump administration officials are actively weighing steps that would more explicitly push Americans to distance themselves from one another in a bid to prevent further coronavirus contagion. Speaking at the White House on Sunday, Vice President Mike Pence said additional broad-based recommendations for the American public would be released on Monday morning. He and other officials declined to specify what might be included in the guidelines, but he, has res- he was responding to a question about potential, wide, uh, potential nationwide closures of places like restaurants and bars. As the virus continues to spread into more American communities, Discussions have accelerated on ways to encourage or require people to remain in place while health officials work to contain the disease. So far, members of the White House Coronavirus Task Force are split on whether further restrictions like limits on domestic travel or even some type of national lockdown are necessary uh, at the federal level. So I I, I bring this up because even though we have hard denials, it seems like CNN, even with their update, is still maintaining the narrative that members of the White White Force are uh, members of the White House task force, I'm getting ahead of myself, are still split on whether there should be restrictions or a national lockdown. So let me explain to you one of the ways they get away with these weasel words. Let's say there's a group of people sitting down and one guy says, you hear what they're doing in Europe? You know, they're doing these, these hard quarantines, like shutting down, shutting down all these businesses. Then someone on the Trump team says, we definitely shouldn't do that. That, that's, that is not America. We, we, we probably can't even enforce that. That's a terrible thing that, you know, and we'll never have that come here. Then someone, you know, a journalist overhears it and they say discussions were had about whether they should lock down all businesses or put a curfew in place. Technically the truth. The media, you then see all these other outlets start regurgitating it. So let me tell you something that I, that I, that I walked into earlier today. A bunch of people are saying that there was a, a hard mandatory curfew in New Jersey. It is a curfew. They're calling it a strongly suggested one meaning they can't really enforce it. That's what I thought. But what happens is the initial report says the governor has instituted a a curfew that is strongly recommended. And so it's kind of like, what does that even really mean? Another news outlet saw it and clipped the quote to say they have instituted a curfew as per, you know, USA Today. Then another story says it and says there is a hard curfew in effect. And this laundering of information cycles around until no one has any idea what's going on. Because CNN says something like this, Members of the White House are discussing a national, uh, you know, whether or not a national lockdown would make sense. Some other news outlet's going to take that and say that Trump is discussing it. People are going to go wild and you are going to make panic happen. The media response to everything has been completely irresponsible. And look, I will absolutely take criticism. I don't think I'm perfect. I'm trying to do my best. And as you know, I have serious criticisms for the media. That's the point of this segment. I don't know if we can trust CNN at this point. And I don't know if we can trust the Daily Caller at this point. 
I don't know if we can trust the government officials. And therein lies the serious problem. No, I don't trust the government. I rarely, if ever do. And now I can't even trust the media. I don't know what to tell you. The best I can do is just <laughs> use, use the media sources as they exist and hope that the more mainstream sources are legit. <laughs> Whatever, man. But you should take everything with a grain of salt, even if it comes from me. I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got a couple more segments in just a few minutes. I will see you all shortly. This is the problem with the fake left. Joe Biden is fake left. These intersectionals are fake left. Joe Biden says he will pick a woman for vice president. No, we don't think you actually care. We think you're doing the same thing that other movies and video games have done. The idea being, if we just make the character female and shoehorn it in, it will be great and people will want it. Joe Biden, here's my advice. Pick a vice president that you think would do a good job. You don't need to come out and say, I'm going to pick a woman. You can say, you know, if the vice president is a woman, that would be a great thing. I'm certainly not going to pick a VP because they're women. But it just so happens there is a short list and some of them happen to be females. If that ends up happening, well, then that's what we'll choose. Let's be real. One of the best things Joe Biden could probably do is try and get Warren to be his VP. Now, I don't think he's going to win anyway. But Warren was in for a while and she's got a decent base. Bernie Sanders might go for Warren as well. And Bernie said something a bit lighter where he said he will likely do the same thing. But I'll tell you what, man, this is no different from watching a movie where they gender swap or race swap a character to try and pander to you. I don't believe they legitimately care about the rights of women or breaking the glass ceiling. They're just pandering up for woke points. But guess what? We've seen it over and over again in this election. Get woke, go broke. Every single time one of these Democratic candidates tries to get woke, they drop in the polls. Well, right now, Joe Biden's skyrocketing. He's very likely going to be the nominee. But let's read this story from Vox, who I'm sure is extremely excited that Joe Biden is going to arbitrarily start (laughs) the joke I saw on Twitter was that Biden's basically starting with the private parts of an individual and then working up from there to choose his VP instead of thinking about the brain of the individual. Come on. We got a couple females who made it really, really far in this race who would make excellent vice, who would make excellent VPs. You don't need to pander. I mean, whatever. Let's read this. Let's read this. Joe Biden says he will pick a woman for president. Bernie Sanders indicated he would likely do so too, but wasn't as certain. Now, Bernie Sanders should have said the same thing I just mentioned. We got a list. We're looking at some of these people. There's some great contenders. Maybe it'll be a woman. When faced with a question about how his administration would promote women's rights, Biden indicated that part of his efforts would include the selection of vice president. If I'm elected president, my cabinet, my administration will look like the country will look like the country. And I commit that I will, in fact, appoint a woman to be vice president. Bernie Sanders also signaled that he would likely select a woman, but did not do so with the same certainty. In all likelihood, I will, he said. To me, it's not just nominating a woman. It's making sure that we have a progressive woman and that there are progressive and and there are progressive women out there. The statement marks the first time that Biden has explicitly said his VP pick will be a woman. And it's a notable announcement as he and Sanders continue to duke it out for the nomination. Given both Biden's and Sanders' respective ages, the focus on their vice presidential selections have been have have been even more heightened than it has been for candidates in the past. This past cycle, there have also been many predictions about how the most diverse Democratic field the party has ever seen, which included six women, has since been winnowed to two white men in their late 70s. 
I'll give a shout out to all the people who complain when I mention Bernie is white. They, they remind me that Bernie is in fact Jewish. Sure. Biden's decision to choose a woman guarantees there will be a woman on the Democratic ticket and ensures at least some representation via this choice. There, is, there, there have been several names floated as possible running mates for Biden, including former 2020 candidate Kamala Harris, as well as Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams. As The Cut reported earlier this month, there are a number of Democratic women, including Senator uh, Maggie Hassan and former Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates, who have been mentioned by Biden, too. There's never been a woman president or vice president in U.S. history. And if Biden wins the nomination, his running mate would only mark the fourth woman ever to be on the ticket. Now, here's my favorite joke before we get into the uh, uh, next bit of data here on the vice presidential. uh, I'm I'm sorry, on the VP pick. It's that Joe Biden will choose Hillary Clinton and then Joe Biden will have a horrible accident befall him. No, I don't think he's going to choose Hillary Clinton. That would be ridiculous. And if he did, I would be absolutely shocked. I don't want to say it's impossible, but the Democratic Party is over Hillary. But then, you know, you get the joke that he'd pick Hillary and then him being 77. There was a thing that happened a few months ago where apparently Joe Biden had said he would only run for one term. He denied it, I guess. But people were claiming he was going to run for one term and then leave just to get rid of Trump. But then Trump could run again if he wanted to. I mean, he'd be really old, but he'd be basically as old as Biden is now. So no, that literally makes no sense. But here's what I want to show you. So it seems, according to a founder of Daily Kos, Marcos Mulitsas, hearing insider rumors that Amy Klobuchar is frontrunner for Biden VP pick. If that were to happen, it would be Tim Kaine 2.0, doing nothing to unify the party, bringing no new demographics to the ticket, it would be once again a disaster. Yeah, I think I think I agree with him. Look, man, I don't I don't expect to actually vote for any of these, you know, to, for burden or uh, burden for Biden or Bernie. Once again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't expect to vote for Biden or Bernie, but I do think it's fair to say the best shot Joe Biden's going to have is picking Elizabeth Warren. But I don't care all that much about who he does pick. I want to show you a couple bits of data and then talk about the get woke, go broke aspect of what the presidency is. So what we're seeing now is the RCP average. I haven't shown it to you in in, in a week or so, and I thought I'd bring it back up. Joe Biden is absolutely slaying it in the national polls, jumping up to 55.4. And Bernie Sanders has dropped from 36 to 33.9. So so Joe Biden is absolutely uh, skyrocketing. Now, I'd like to point out there is still a woman in the race who's polling better than ever. I think better than ever, Tulsi Gabbard. Gabbard is polled consistently in the national uh, in the national polls around, I think, like one to uh, like the high one percent. Tulsi is now at three percent. So no, I don't think she's going to win. No, I don't think she's an actual contender, but she's staying in the race for some time. So we'll see what happen. uh, happens. I mean, I'll be honest. You got Bernie just had a heart attack. He's 78. Joe Biden, 77. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard staying, staying in, the, in the race. I mean, there's a lottery tickets chance that somehow she becomes the nominee. But I think it's, it's a closed race. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I want to trust 538. This is a challenge why I'm, I'm, I'm a little hesitant. Look at 538 from February 3rd. It was a roller coaster of Biden, then no one contested. 538 doesn't seem to know what's going on in the first place, but they're saying it's a greater than 99% chance that Joe Biden wins the nomination. Bernie Sanders and Tulsi Gabbard now have an equal chance, less than one in 100, of becoming the president. But let's go to the big complaint 
that everyone has about the announcement from Joe Biden and to a, to a lesser extent, Bernie Sanders, about saying that they're just going to choose a woman because she's a woman. This is the problem, as I mentioned earlier, that we've seen over and over again with the woke left. They claim to support certain things, but in the end, they always end up being the bigots or, or being the representation of what they say is the problem. How can you go out and claim that cis white men are the problem, but then actively support two front runners who are cis white men, right? I think it's fair to point out the split actually comes down to Bernie and Biden. Uh, Biden is going to be supported by the moderates in this country who probably don't care that he's going to choose a woman, which is the problem we see with all of these movies and TV shows. Check it out. I've said it a million times. Wonder Woman, awesome. Let's see some new movies to come out. And, 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 you know, I assume they'll be great regardless of who the character is. Into the Spider-Verse, we got the new Black Widow movie coming up. Guess what? Into the Spider-Verse, diversity in the movie. Black Widow, female-led character, nobody cares. I mean, look, there's some people who are probably cheering saying, yeah, we're getting diversity, but that's diversity done right. Taking a look at Joe Biden's base, you have to wonder why he would want to do this. Moderates don't care about this stuff. They don't care about woke progressive pandering. They care about effectiveness. And that's why people are walking away from the Democratic Party because of things like this. Joe Biden is never, never going to convince these woke lunatics that he's the right choice simply because he chose a woman. It's just not going to happen. Let's be let's be real for a second. These woke leftists who claim they hate cis white men are still willing to support Bernie Sanders, a cis white man, regardless of what they claim to believe or what they think is right. So for Joe Biden to think he's going to be able to pander to them. Nah, Bernie Sanders is a socialist who's proposing socialist rhetoric and policy. And as much of these as much as these people might not like him, they think he is a pathway towards socialism or communism or whatever far left they want. Many of many of the more progressives, less, you know, they're decently left people view him as just the real populist choice, not Biden. Biden is the corporatist candidate. He's being supported by people who I view as not really paying attention or knowing what's going on. So he's going to try and pander by saying no deportations, by saying he's bringing on a woman. Bro, who are you trying to convince? Because these activists don't like you and will never like you. You won't bend the knee. So they're not going to choose you. Joe Biden needs to get away from the get what go broke. I'll tell you what. Why do you think it is that so many of these candidates who have tried this have failed? It's because it's not about what makes sense. You're being tricked by the Twitter bubble and social media. And you know what? Biden is walking right into that trap. So, so Bernie, surprisingly, wouldn't even give a definitive answer on whether or not he would choose a woman. He said it was likely. And yet he still maintains support. Pay attention, man. I'll be honest. I think Bernie is getting support from some progressives who hate Trump who are active, know what's going on, and, uh, you know, are in good faith to a certain degree. One per- uh, someone once brought up, and I think it was Kyle Kalinske who said this, they brought up, why is it that the Democrats or these leftists will claim to want diversity, but will still end up supporting a, a old white man, Bernie, over the other female candidates? And I think it was Kyle, uh, somebody said this, that maybe it should be, you know, maybe now you'll realize policy is more important than identity to many of these progressives. I believe that is absolutely fair to say, in which case you can now see why this is a huge mistake for someone like Biden to make. Pandering, pathetic, woke BS sends nothing to no one. So, hey, man, you reap what you sow. For some reason, they think they can still court these people. But I'll tell you what, man, whatever. I'm out. You're not getting me. Stick around. I got a couple more segments in uh, one more segment in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. 
Last night, we saw that Democratic debate with Bernie and Biden, and Bernie mentioned that Tuesday's, or he hints, Tuesday's primaries should be postponed over coronavirus. Well, you're getting your wish because several states are now postponing their Democratic primary elections. So Biden and Bernie, save your energy. You're not going to need to be campaigning, at least for now, because we've got a global pandemic happening and the election is being postponed. Now, something I mentioned the other day that I want to dive into today is as we are witnessing the primaries get postponed, let's entertain the silliness of the BuzzFeed article. What happens if Trump tries to cancel the election because of the coronavirus? BuzzFeed, please calm down. That was three days ago. Okay, we're now seeing the primaries postponed. Let's just get through today and then worry about tomorrow later. But we'll, we'll, we'll dive into this and see what silliness they have wrought. Sanders and Fox News, they say, in a post-debate interview on CNN, Sanders pointed to new guidelines released by the CDC limiting gatherings to no more than 50 people over the next eight weeks as the country grapples with the highly contagious COVID-19. I would hope that governors listen to the public health experts, and what they are saying is we don't want gatherings of more than 50 people. I'm thinking about some of the elderly people sitting behind the desks, registering people, and doing all that stuff. Does that make sense? I'm not sure it does. The next round of contest is scheduled Tuesday in Arizona, Illinois, Florida, and Ohio. While some states are either considering postponing primaries or have already decided to do so, officials responsible for this week's contests have shown little inclination to delay, instead stressing safety precautions in place. We are working closely with our state health officials to ensure that our poll workers and voters can be confident that voting is safe, secretaries of state for those elections said in a recent statement. Based on the latest polling data, Sanders could be in for a tough night of primaries should the vote go forward as planned. Now, here's the thing. They mentioned Ohio. Ohio has just announced they will be postponing. But I do have a list of other states, also from Fox News, that have already done so. We'll do the Ohio first because that's the relevant news about what's happening Tuesday, but come back to this. So this is from at The Intercept. Ohio governor moves to postpone primary and calls for widespread shutdown. On Monday afternoon, Ohio's Republican governor, Mike DeWine, is recommending the state should not go forward with in-person voting on Tuesday. The move follows days of pressure for four states scheduled to vote on Tuesday, Arizona, Florida, Illinois, and Ohio, to postpone their primaries. In an open letter, more than 1,600 people, including 100 medical professionals, called for the next round of presidential primaries to be postponed amid the coronavirus pandemic. All of the four states scheduled to vote on Tuesday have declared a state of emergency in response to the outbreak. The decision to hold both the Democratic and Republican primary elections, which have closed down schools, restaurants, and bars to try and slow the spread of coronavirus, could exponentially grow the amount of cases and death toll. In Arizona, the state Republican Party decided months ago not to hold a presidential primary. This would particularly advantage Bernie Sanders, as older voters would likely not want to go to the polling stations as they are at risk. Even progressives have pointed out on Twitter that would not be fair and it should likely not take place. And I have tremendous respect for that statement. This is Bernie's opportunity to win, but to be fair, they can't do it. The letter which addressed to the Democratic National Committee and the secretaries of state for, for the four states calls for those states to push their primaries to May. Until then, it reads, mail-in voting should be implemented throughout, throughout under the guidance of health and election authorities. Postponing the election would also give states enough time to explore alternatives to in-person voting at a sufficient scale. The letter notes, particularly if the emergency continues to worsen. In addition to our primary concern about public health, we believe this would be beneficial to the democratic process. As people are understandably avoiding public spaces and crowds, we expect turnout to be depressed, 
Rescheduling the primaries would ensure that more people are allowed to exercise their right to vote without fear. I agree with that. They should not. They should postpone. But for a month, we'll see what happens. There's, there's been some other delays in other areas. Movies are being pushed back. Conferences are being pushed back. So we'll take it all seriously. There has been some conversation emerging about pushing back the tax filing deadline to June from April, which would be, I don't know, that'd be, that'd be pretty crazy, but you know, maybe we'll see it. Now, here's a list of states that have already postponed their primaries. And then we'll read about Donald Trump shutting down the election because it's funny. Fox News gives us a list. They say Louisiana became the first state to, post- to postpone a primary or caucus on Friday with Governor John Bell Edwards signing an executive order to move the April 4th election to late June. Saying today, I have certified that a state of emergency exists and request that the governor issue an executive order postponing elections this spring. We have requested postponing the April 4th primary election until June 20th and postponing the May 9th general election until July 25th. We also have Georgia. Uh, It's moved its elections from March 24th to May 19th on Saturday after Governor Brian Kemp declared a state of emergency. Puerto Rico, though it's not a state, they hold their uh, primaries for both parties. The Puerto Rico Republican primary already took place on March 8th, but the Puerto Rico Democratic primary last week requested that the state delay its Democratic primary, which was scheduled for March 29th. This is an unpredictable day by day situation that requires constant monitoring of the progress of the disease. Our intention is to keep all options open to ensure the citizens' right to vote, party chairman Charles Rodriguez said in a statement. The Spanish language news site El Nuevo Dia reported that the state, uh, the state Senate on Tuesday will consider the legislation required to put off the election to April 26th, which is the date requested by the territory's Democratic Party. Which brings me to the final bit of fun from a couple days ago. You know, I just slammed BuzzFeed for putting out this drivel a couple, uh, the other day, but we're going to dive into it today because it is relevant to the expanding, I guess, postponement of the elections. What happens if Trump tries to cancel the election because of the, cor- the coronavirus? He might well try even though the answer is no, he cannot. Calm down. Seriously, BuzzFeed. Thousands of Americans think President Donald Trump may try to cancel the 2020 election by citing the coronavirus pandemic. On the left and right, they envision him declaring a national emergency using those newly invoked powers to suspend the November vote and extend his first term in the White House. It's not purely paranoia. The pandemic has already canceled campaign rallies, postponed the primary election in Louisiana, now many other states as we know, and raised ideas to nix the party's nominating conventions. Trump, for his part, has often lied about his last election to justify his political power. And most specifically, he retweeted a suggestion last year from Jerry Falwell Jr. that his first term should be extended by two years. Are they joking about this? Where is this? What is this? Okay, so they show us some tweets. Um, Morgan J. Freeman, I guess it's not the, the Morgan Freeman actor. He says, Trump is going to use this pandemic for personal gain by trying to cancel the November election in order to stay in power. 25th Amendment. Now, let me just say y'all are nuts. Greg Pinello says, if you don't think Trump is already thinking about whether he can cancel the election because of coronavirus, you haven't been paying attention to his jokes about getting rid of term limits and being president for life. Y'all are overreacting. Then we have let logic loose. There will be loud demands by the Dems that Trump cancel all upcoming campaign rallies. Perhaps the election should be postponed until next year so we can have a normal election rather than have one which is severely impacted by this manufactured panic. Now I want to point out the tweets on the right are from random Twitter users. No disrespect, random Twitter users. The tweets on the the left are from certified blue checkies. You see the difference? 
people with followings versus random accounts does not a story make. But BuzzFeed is trying to play it up like, but the right is talking about it too. Look, if you can't find any high profile Trump supporting personalities calling for this, perhaps your story is bunk. They write, major disturbances during elections, it turns out, are an age old American problem. And so, dear reader, we are here to answer the question, can the president cancel the election or can a viral outbreak or some other bona fide crisis lead to postponing voting day? The short answer is no, a president cannot defer an election unilaterally. And even with such, even with support in much of Congress and in the states, it would be extremely difficult, perhaps logistically impossible to postpone the presidential general election. But that doesn't mean disasters can't wreak havoc on democracy as usual. Congress could try setting new election timelines. Local election boards could be unable to operate polling sites. And the president could sow doubt in the election's legitimacy or push executive emergency powers to the legal brink to disrupt the vote. It is important that we discuss all of these scenarios right now. No, it's not important. You guys are fear-mongering, paranoid lunatics. Let's stay in the now, focus on keeping people safe. The reason why we're postponing the elections in some of these states is because older people are at risk and they're going to be going and voting out. uh, They're going to be going out and voting too. And it is unfair to them and to Biden and anybody else that we would deny someone that would that would be voter suppression by their own standard. We are not freaking. we're, We're not. okay. we're doing these things because it makes sense right now. If you want to talk about postponing the election, how about we wait until, I don't know, at least September. Experts are saying we can be over this by June. BuzzFeed, of course, wants to make sure they scare you and terrify with their insane rhetoric, like the tweets they showed from those blue checkies saying, you must not be paying attention. Trump is absolutely blah, 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 blah. No, he's not. Y'all are freaking out. They're doing it. It's rage bait or maybe not even rage bait. It's not even clickbait. It's something else. It's fear bait. Donald Trump is the boogeyman coming to your house to take away everything. They've been screaming that Trump's trying to make himself God emperor for life. And then when Carpe Donctum made that meme where it says Trump 2024, 28, 20, you know, 2032 and keeps going up, they started screeching that he was he meant it. He, did you see this tweet? Trump is joking about being president for life. Yeah, because it triggers you and he's poking fun and his supporters love it. I'll also point out there are other Trumps. So even if it is Trump 2030, Trump 2024, well, then it could be Trump Jr. There's no reason for us to speculate and play these games. Well, for BuzzFeed, there, there is. I guess they make money when they do it. There's no talk right now, for the most part, about postponing the general election in November, when experts are saying this could be over in June. But if we get there, fine, we'll talk about it. But I'll tell you what, if the pandemic really does get bad, it's not going to be unilateral. Trump will not be the only one asking for this. If it does get worse from where it is now into September, don't be surprised when Democrats are the ones actually caring about it, because according to the polls, the Democrats are the ones that are more concerned about it. Postponing the the, the elections being postponed right now, the primaries are the Democratic primaries, not the general. It's not Trump. It's the Democrats doing it. Y'all need to stop. I'll see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out.